0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. You can turn in your Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I'm glad that we sang a couple Christmas songs tonight. You know, there's two kinds of people in the world. There are those who wanna take Christmas lights and decorations down right away uh, after December 25th and stop singing Christmas carols, perhaps. Uh, but then there are those who wanna keep Christmas decorations and lights and so forth up uh, for as long as possible. And uh, I, happen to be, I happen to fall into the latter category I'd keep the Christmas lights up until March, if Cindy would let me. Uh, and I, I appreciate the Christmas songs tonight. Similarly, I'm not yet ready to move past the traditional Christmas texts uh, in our Bible, even though December 25th has passed. And so tonight we'll be looking at a passage in Luke 1, um, I guess most people would call it a Christmas text. Uh, But I think actually this may be a a good fit because we're kind of in the the transition, the interval between Christmas and uh, New Year's. And uh, this this message may be more of a a New Year's challenge for us. And so perhaps uh, appropriate at this juncture in the season. And although Pastor Asher touched on this uh, passage just a few days ago, um, we'll be approaching it from a, a slightly different uh, angle tonight, and so I don't think that'll be, a, be an issue. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll examine our, our text in Luke 1. Lord, please uh, do help us tonight, we ask, as we look into your word. Guide our thoughts. Please challenge and encourage us. Help us to see your truth and apply it to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just a few questions for you as we begin this evening. How do you respond when you're faced with life-changing circumstances? How do you respond to news or events that you know will change things, uh, perhaps change the course of your life. Or, if not quite life-changing, perhaps it's news that's startling or troubling. How do you respond in the days and weeks following the reception of that news, when circumstances become difficult, stressful, you're tempted to, to worry and fret, how do you respond? And what is your posture towards God during those times? Well, this evening we're gonna look at a familiar account as I've mentioned in Luke 1, and we will notice Mary's response to the life-changing news that she received that troubled her the bible says and so let's look at luke 1 and uh, we'll start in verse 26 and following again we're very familiar with this this account where the angel gabriel appears to mary to announce that mary a virgin would give birth to the messiah and again, we'll pick up in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. We'll stop there for now. But did you notice verse 29? Mary was troubled by what the angel told her. Well, of course, she was troubled, right? Even though from our perspective and and from Mary's perspective, Ultimately, this was good news, right? Glorious news. The Messiah would be born. And yet, at the same time, Mary's world uh, was being turned upside down. And certainly, it dawns on Mary at some point that people would assume that she had betrayed her covenant with Joseph by having sexual relations with another man since Joseph would be honest and deny being the father of her child. And so Mary knew that she would be the subject of gossip, rumors, insults, and misunderstanding. Her pure reputation would be tarnished in the eyes of many friends, family, including her fiance, Joseph. And beyond all that, Mary could end up getting stoned, right? And so all of these thoughts and worries and emotions must have been swirling in Mary's mind. And yet, look at her response in verse 38. And by the way, I see three points in the passage uh, that we're going to look at, not just this verse, but subsequent verses. Every sermon needs to have three points, right? So we've got three points for you this evening Uh, Three, we're going to make three observations about Mary's response. And her response, by the way, should be a pattern for us, an example for us as we face life-changing news or circumstances. First, number one, I see submission. Submission. Again, look at verse 38. There Mary responds, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. A wonderful, mature response from a godly young lady. Even Moses, Moses hesitated. uh, When God told him he would deliver Israel from slavery in Egypt, he felt that he wasn't a very good speaker Jonah, Jonah flat out ran uh, in the other direction, uh, boarding a ship to sail away from what God wanted him to do. But Mary says, behold, Lord, I am your handmaiden. May it all happen according to your word. I will submit to your plan. I desire your will. Question. Question for us tonight. Are we willing to respond that way? Will we submit to God's plan for our life? Even though the circumstances are troubling and difficult, even though it appears the course of your life will be changed, will you submit to God's plan? And it is his plan, by the way, because God is sovereign, right? He has ordained our circumstances. So will you submit to what God has planned for you? Are you ready to submit to whatever God has planned for you in the coming year, in 2023? Obviously, it's uh, easy, uh, easier, easy to submit when the news or change is positive, when the circumstances are favorable. But what about when they're not, when you've lost a loved one, or when you're facing a significant health problem, or perhaps your spouse or child has a significant health problem. Perhaps you've had to become a full-time caregiver for a spouse, or perhaps it's a problem at work, your boss is not being fair with you. Perhaps decisions are being made that are making your life very hard. Perhaps there's sin involved. Perhaps those around you are sinning, and uh, it's affecting you adversely. Now, we should uh, obviously stand up for truth and resist evil, but uh, again, obviously sometimes the, the sinful decisions of others will negatively impact our lives. And, and oftentimes that'll happen. And, and oftentimes there's, there's really not a whole lot we can do to change things. When that happens, we need to realize that God has still ordained our circumstances. Joseph told his brothers in Genesis 45:8, and I'm paraphrasing just a bit, He told them, it wasn't you who sent me here, God did. And that might be uh, one of the most encouraging verses in the whole Bible, by the way, in my opinion. God is absolutely in control of all of our circumstances, even when sin is involved. That's why Joseph was able to tell his brothers years after they had sinfully sold him into slavery, You didn't do this, it was God who sent me here. Ephesians 1.11 says that God works all things after the counsel of his own will. Isaiah 46.10 says that he has declared the end from the beginning. Proverbs 16.33 says that the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. In other words, there's no such thing as chance with God, nothing happens by chance. Clearly, God is in control. He ordains our circumstances. There's no question, no question about that. The only question is, will we submit to what he is doing? Second, let's let's notice the second aspect of Mary's response. In verse 39, Mary travels to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's also pregnant. And Elizabeth greets Mary and acknowledges in verse 43 that Mary will give birth to the Messiah, to her Lord. And let's read Mary's response, beginning in verse 46, which, uh, by the way, begins Mary's Magnificat, uh, so-called because in the Latin Bible, Verse 40, 46 begins with the word magnificat or, or magnify. So, verse 46 And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath done me great things and holy is his name our second point how would you uh, how would you characterize the uh, this this aspect of mary's response what comes to my mind is praise praise she's thankful my soul doth magnify the lord Mary was rejoicing in God. She was praising God. Despite her many uncertainties, despite her fears and anxieties, despite the uncomfortableness of it all, despite the fact that her world, that which she was familiar with, comfortable with, uh, had all changed, was being turned upside down. Despite all of that, Mary was still praising God. What about us? What about you? Will we praise God when our world gets turned upside down? Will we praise God despite our difficult circumstances? Perhaps perhaps you're anxious. Perhaps you're, you're fearful. James 1 says that we should count it all joy when we face diverse temptations because we know that the trying of our faith worketh patience. In other words, God is working to strengthen our faith. He's up to something good. Philippians 4 says that we should take our anxieties to the Lord and that we should do so with thanksgiving. Thankful that he's working. Thankful that he can supply the supernatural peace to help us endure, and even thrive in the midst of hardship. Praise God for what he wants to do through our life-changing circumstances. God wants to change us through those experiences, through those circumstances. And so our first point tonight, submission. Our second point, the second aspect of Mary's response, our the way we need to respond, praise. What's the third and final thing we see here in terms of Mary's response? Well, let's continue reading in verse 51. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, And the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Okay, so what's all that about? (laughs) Uh, What's going on in those verses? Uh, What does it mean that God is helping Israel in verse 54? And backing up to verse 51, why is God showing strength with his arm? Uh, Also in verse 51, who are the proud that are being scattered? In verse 52, who are the mighty that God is putting down? It's interesting. uh, Liberals interpret this passage as a revolutionary speech. They view Mary, who is obviously voicing these words, as a rebel, uh, a revolutionary, perhaps the first Marxist, uh, who is calling for oppressed peoples to rise up and overthrow their nationalistic, capitalistic, conservative, Republican, uh, white male oppressors. Uh, And I'm serious, I'm serious, by the way. Many liberal churches and pastors have made much of this passage, especially in recent years. Uh, I read uh, one editorial recently from the Washington Post, which gives the liberal view of Mary's Magnificat, this uh, song of praise. The author of this editorial is a woman who likes Mary, likes Mary because she sees in Mary, and I quote, a rebel who is intent on reorienting unjust social systems. But uh, is that what this passage in Luke 1 is all about? I don't uh, don't think so, at least not uh, in the sense imagined by, by the left. Mary is not calling for rebels to rise up. Instead, I believe that Mary is referring to a day when rebels will be put down. Specifically, Mary's speaking of a day when those who rebel against God and who seek to destroy his chosen people, the Jews, will be put down and vanquished forever. And so the the liberal view on this passage is kind of ironic because uh, liberals today are increasingly... Uh, anti-Israel, and yet this passage in Luke 1 is, uh, we could say, very pro-Israel. It's it's very Jewish in its orientation. You see, in this passage, in this text, Mary is speaking about the Messiah, and Messiah is coming to establish his kingdom, which he will do, the Bible tells us, after he saves Israel and vanquishes Israel's rebellious Enemies, In other words, Mary is speaking about, in her song of praise, in these verses we just read, she's speaking about what the angel Gabriel had announced to her just several verses earlier in verses 32 and 33 of Luke 1. When Gabriel said of Jesus, beginning midway through verse 32 that the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Remember that many Old Testament prophecies linked the coming of the Messiah and the establishment of his kingdom with the salvation of Israel and the destruction of Israel's enemies. Uh, For example, prophecies in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2, verse 10, Psalm 2, Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6, Zechariah chapters 12 through 14, just to name, just to name a few. Mary, Mary knew her Old Testament. She knew her Old Testament. So did Zechariah, father of John the Baptist. Let's look at Uh, briefly at his Song of Praise in Luke 1, verses 68 through 79. We won't read all those verses, but uh, look there, please, starting in verse 68. Zachariah's Benedictus, as it's called, is similar to Mary's Song of Praise. After his son, John the Baptist, was born, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he says this in verses 68 through 74 Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Who are his people? It's Israel. And hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Who's the us? Again, that's, that's the Jewish people. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, that's Israel's prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies, that's Israel's enemies, and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. And I'll stop there. So again, what's, what is this all about? What is uh, Zechariah? What is uh, Mary? What are, they, what are they talking about? Well, both of them, I believe, are prophesying, foretelling that Messiah would come in power and judgment in accordance with Old Testament prophecy to put down the mighty, the proud, the enemies of God and Israel. Moses wrote about this in Genesis 22, verse 17. Uh, there in one of the, uh, and I think you'll be able to see this up on the screen, um, in case you don't have time to flip there before I read the verse. Uh, in Genesis 22:17, 17, in one of the early iterations of the Abrahamic covenant, God told Abraham that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies." Hannah uh, also spoke of this physical deliverance of Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 10, Uh, There, at the end of her song of praise, after God gave her a son, Samuel, Hannah says this, The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And by the way, that word anointed at the end of that verse, that is the Hebrew word Mashiach or Messiah. And so this verse, 1 Samuel 2.10, looks forward to the coming of Messiah, when he will save national Israel and defeat Israel's enemies. And so in this verse, again, which is parallel, to a number of verses in the Old Testament, Genesis 22:17, 17, Psalm 2, Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6, Zechariah chapters 12 through 14, and we could go, we could go on and on. Uh, this is a parallel verse, parallel also to uh, our text in Luke 1, both Mary's song and Zechariah's song. And so, to recap, back to Mary's. Song of praise in, in Luke 1. Who are the proud and mighty that Mary refers to in verses 51 and 52? Well, I don't think they're conservative Republicans that she is uh, railing against. I don't think Mary has gone woke here. Uh, the proud and mighty, I believe, are the enemies of God and Israel. How is God showing strength with his arm? Verse 51. How is God helping Israel? Verse 55. Well, by sending his Messiah, who is not only a spiritual savior from sin, but Israel's national and physical savior as well, who will deliver the Jewish people from their enemies before the messianic kingdom is established. By the way... Covenant theology uh, does not interpret these verses in in the manner that I just have. Um, Covenant theologians take, they take God's national and physical promises to Israel and they they spiritualize them and they apply them to uh, individual Christians. But uh, here in Luke one, Mary, And uh, Zechariah, as I read them, they don't sound like covenant theologians to me. They don't sound like they believe all these promises will be fulfilled in the church uh, instead of through Israel. Instead, they are trusting God. They are trusting that God will fulfill the promises he made to his chosen people, including the physical promises of deliverance that will come in conjunction with the establishment of the kingdom. Now there's a whole lot more we could say about this, uh, including the question of timing, because uh, you might be wondering, why is Mary emphasizing this at this juncture? And why did Gabriel, why did the angel Gabriel say what he said about the kingdom and Zechariah, why is he emphasizing the kingdom and the destruction of Israel's enemies at this juncture? Why why then if Christ's kingdom would not be established until his second coming? And if Israel's deliverance at the battle of Armageddon is, is still future? Well, we don't have time to explore those issues tonight. I wish we could, um, and by the way, per- I, I personally favor strongly the answer that traditional dispensationalists have offered uh, to these questions, even over, over and above what uh, more progressive dispensationalists have to say about these matters. But again, that's, uh, that's not for tonight. Uh, The key tonight for our purposes, getting back to our three points, remember? um, The key here is we see that Mary was trusting. She was trusting that God would keep his promises, all of his promises. And so back to our third point, what can we say about Mary's response? What do we see in these verses, in verses 51 through 55, Well, I see trust. I see confidence. I see hope. Mary is trusting God. She is trusting his word. She is confident, hopeful that what God had promised concerning Israel, concerning the Messiah, would happen. There would be fulfillment of God's promises. And so point number three, Mary is trusting God. She is trusting his word, trusting God his promises, and we need to do the same thing. And so what promises has God made to us, to you? He made certain promises in scripture to his people, the Jews, but uh, the New Testament is filled with promises to, to us, to the individual Christian, promises that we can cling to when we face life-changing circumstances. When we face circumstances that are troubling. Many of them. In Hebrews 13.5, just, I'll just name a few. Hebrews 13.5, God promises never to leave us nor forsake us. In Romans 8.28, he promises to work all things together for our good. In James 1.5, he promised to, promises to give us wisdom in the midst of our trials. In Hebrews 4.16, he promises mercy and grace in our times of need. And again, we could list many, many, many other promises that God has given to us in his word, the Bible. But in order for us to trust in those promises, in order for us to be encouraged by those promises, as Mary was encouraged, we must know those promises. In other words, we must know our Bibles just as Mary knew her Old Testament. As uh, as I already alluded to, Mary's song of praise, her Magnificat, is filled with Old Testament references and allusions. Uh, In fact, much of her song of praise was patterned after Hannah's song of praise in 1 Samuel 2. Uh, verses 1 through 10. So if we want to respond to life-changing circumstances like Mary did, we must know our Bibles as Mary did. If we want to be trusting and hopeful in the face of difficult times, we must know God and His Word. And so, as we prepare to enter a new year, 20. 23, let us renew our commitment to spend time daily with the Lord in His Word. So let's conclude. <clears throat> How are you handling the life changing circumstances that God has ordained for you? How will you handle whatever it is that comes your way in the new year? Even if it's a smaller, Disturbance. Maybe it's not quite life-changing. Even if it's a smaller uh, disturbance or problem, how will you respond? In this new year and in the years to come, let's, let's follow Mary's example. And let's respond with submission, praise, and trust. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful tonight for your word and how it helps us. We're grateful, Lord, for the very practical lessons and examples that your word gives to us. And we do pray that in the coming weeks and months, as we all face various circumstances that you control, that you ordain, we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to respond with submission, praise, and trust and we ask this in the name of jesus and for your glory lord amen thank you for listening if you have questions about your relationship with god or you would like to know more about the ministry of good news baptist church you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241 we trust your heart was challenged as you listened And we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.